So we'll get started this morning, and I'm excited to share with you. It's really uh, what we're going to be talking about has everything to do with where we're at today in terms of this virus and the, the, its effects on us. So I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, God. I thank you, God, because you hear our prayers. Lord, you're not a God who's turned a deaf ear to us. Lord, you hear us. You care about us, Lord, and you show us your compassion. I thank you, God, that you don't just give compassion lip service. Lord God, you actually show us your compassion, and I thank you, Heavenly Father, for that. Lord, and in this time, Lord, when it's it's a little bit difficult, Lord, there's mothers who are working, dads who are working, who now don't have child care, who don't have their kids in school, and they're having to work maybe from home or f- figuring out how to make ends meet. Lord, I pray that you'd help those families. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen those families. And God, for the, for the young person or the elderly person who's alone at home right now and feels isolated and feels trapped, Lord God, I pray that you'd comfort them, that you'd help them, Lord. God, nothing's too difficult for you, Jesus. And I pray that you would bring the spread of this virus to a halt, Lord, to an end, Lord God, so that we can live our lives naturally and normally as you as you expect us to, Lord God, as you want us to, Lord God. Worldwide, Lord, we pray for countries like Italy and Spain and China, Lord, and North Korea, Lord, places where in, in cities like New York City and San Francisco and, and parts of, of Washington, Lord, the state of Washington, God, that needs your intervention, Lord, your supernatural intervention. Lord, I pray that you'd intervene, Lord God, that you would put a halt to this, Lord, that lives would no longer be taken, Lord, that health would no longer be stolen, Lord Jesus, and I thank you, Heavenly Father God. So open our hearts this morning, I pray, Lord, as we look at your word, as we study your word and get strength from it, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, God, for it. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. We've been looking at how Gideon became a strong person. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately is... You know, in times like this, we need strength. We need inner strength. We can't be uh, languishing, fearful, worried, anxious, panic attacks. You know, we can't afford that right now. We need some inner strength. And a couple of weeks back, and again, we recorded these messages. If you want to go back and listen to them, we talked about six things that makes us strong, found in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 15, I believe. Um, six things that makes us strong. And then last week we launched into the story of Gideon, which is found in Judges 6 and Judges 7. And you can follow along. If you got your Bible, you can open it up to Judges 6. That's where we're going to be pretty much this whole time. And um, we started looking at what made Gideon so strong. He was a strong guy, but he didn't start out that way. And that's I guess that's what's encouraging to me is he started out as a complete weakling, as a complete, uh, you know, a person in hiding, um, inept, you know, unable. And yet he figured out, with God's help, he figured out how to become a very, very strong person. So 
Strong people don't start out that way. Strong people start out as weak people. And so that's good news for you and for me because uh, we, we're all that way to begin with. But we don't have to stay that way. So that's the good news. So last week we just looked at kind of an introduction to the story. And I'll just skim through it really fast. You can go back and listen to it if you want to. Um, but Judges 6 verse 1, it starts out with the Israelites in the time of the judges. Um, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It says in Judges 6.1, And for seven years he gave them over into the hands of the Midianites. Now the Midianites were kind of a nomadic, warring tribe that went in and just ravaged different parts of that world at that time, and Israel was one of them. And it says here in verse 2, Because of the power of Midian, it was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, strongholds. In other words, they were run out of their homes. We talked about this last week. Whenever you're so oppressed, not even your house will keep you safe. You run out of your own house. And uh, that happens nowadays as well. You, don't, you can't even have a safe haven because of the oppression you're under. And that's what happened to these Israelites. Verse 3, whenever the Israelites planted their crops... The Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way from Gaza, that's part of Palestine, and didn't spare a living thing in Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. And that's what your oppression does, is you have so many oppressive thoughts you can't count them all. They're, 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 come, they're bombarding you at night. They're bombarding you when you're trying to work during the day. Uh, you look around and all you see is negativity. So that's what it was physically for these guys, but that's what it is for spiritually for us a lot of times. It was impossible to count them. They're camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they finally, and I added the word finally, they finally cried out to the Lord for help. And so what, what does this look like to us these days? Well, we don't have ISIS in the United States doing this to us, but we do have this, this spiritual aspect of this story happening to us frequently. So I liken it, and I mentioned this last week, to having a sickness and not being able to ever get over it. You know, you start feeling better, but then it comes back to you again. Um, every time... Uh, you know, you try to do something right, it seems like your life falls apart. And so you finally get to the place where you're thinking, well, I'm not going to do anything right anymore because every, every time I do, bad things happen. Or it could be, you know, when you finally feel like you got your finances in order, you get hit with an unexpected expense that throws all your discipline out of, out of whack. Or it could be every time um, your loved one or someone that you care for uh, starts turning their life around, then they relapse back into their old life again. So these are some examples of what these Israelites felt like so that we can kind of identify with them. And, and what I mentioned last week about this is, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a couple of things that you can do. There's actually three of them. And they started by calling on the name of the Lord. You know what? Whenever you're oppressed, you need to get down on your knees and you need to call out to God. You know, get in, get in a private place, your closet, your bedroom, a bathroom, if you got to get away from your kids, whatever it is, and you start calling out to God and saying, God, I need help. You know, I'm not complaining, I'm not griping, I just need help. 
And so you call out to the Lord. That's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is you can repent of the lifestyle that may have brought a lot of this thing onto you. You know, start repenting and say, God, I am sorry for the way I've been living. I am sorry I've been blaming you, God. I'm sorry I've been complaining so much, Lord. I'm sorry I'm doing things that I know aren't right. I am sorry. I repent. I turn away from these things. That's the second thing you can do. And the third thing that can happen isn't you at all. It's God comes in after you've called on his name and you've repented and he does a supernatural deliverance and takes that cloud of oppression off of you that you may have had for years. He takes it off of you and you're you're free from that point forward. And so um, this story has a lot of meaning to me because I've gone through some of these things that I've mentioned. But let's skip down. Let's we we can't uh, spend too much time rehearsing what or uh, you know uh, restating what we talked about last week. We did jump down into verse eleven of Judges one. It says the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah and began uh, that belonged to Joash. Um, can't pronounce this word, an Ebizrite. <laughs> so if you can't read some of the words in the Bible, don't feel bad. I can't either. Um, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a, in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I want you to stop and think, okay, so Gideon has an encounter with God. He has an encounter with God. And I want, to, I want you to ask yourself this question. When was the last encounter you had with God? Was it this morning? Was it a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago? When was the last time you had an encounter with God? And you need to start talking to God and saying, God, I need another encounter with you. Because this was the first thing that began the journey of making Gideon a stronger person, is he had an encounter with God. Uh, the Lord appeared to him. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you, I would love for an angel to show up and, and appear to me right now, or for Jesus himself to appear to me right now. That may or may not happen, but encounters with God are spiritual in nature. They happen whenever you position yourself to have an encounter with God. See, if you're out in the clubs partying, you're not going to have too much opportunity to have an, an encounter with God. If you're sitting depressed in your house and isolating yourself, you're not positioning yourself to have an encounter with God. Or if you're, you're purposely hanging out with people who are constantly giving you negative messages and bringing you down, you're not positioning yourself to have an encounter with God. So here's some things that, that, that we need to do to have an encounter with God. First of all, we need to get around godly people. You've got to get around people who, who will bring you up, not bring you down. You gotta, and you've got to look for these people. There's not a lot of them out there. So you got to be selective in your friendships, and a big part of that, you're, you're going to have more of a chance finding these people in church than outside of church. So there's one step you can take, is find a life-giving church, not just any church, but a church that feeds you life, and you will find people that are going to bring you up there. Here's another one. Read your Bible most every day. 
Why do I say most every day? Well, if you start shooting for 100%, you're going to feel like a failure whenever you don't meet it. So most every day, read your Bible. Five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, longer if you can. Um, and and we'll, we're going to give you this week's reading uh, at the end of this, of this time together. So um, not only read your Bible, think about what you read throughout the day. Just mull it over, contemplate it, meditate on it, think about it. And then don't just read it and think about it, but do it. If the Bible tells you to do something, if God tells you to do something or don't do something, then, then obey it. And you are going to become a stronger person. You're going to be uh, positioning yourself for an encounter with God. Okay? <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, here's another one. Pray in God and stop praying to God. Did you get that? When you pray to God, that, that indicates he's at a distance from you. But when you read the Bible, you find out we're in Christ. I'm inside of him, literally. He's, he's engulfing me. His canopy is over me and all around me. I'm in Christ. I'm not going to pray to Christ. I'm going to pray in Christ as if I was one with him, which I am. The Bible says that I'm in him and he's in the Father and the Spirit is inside of me. I am sandwiched in God. And so I need to start praying in God and placing myself in him. It's going to change the way I pray. I'm going to pray with a lot more faith. And then every day I need to be asking myself, here, again, how do I position myself for an encounter with God? I need to ask myself this key question, what is the one thing I can do today to make God happy? What's the one thing I can do? Now, I, I'm always asking myself, what can I do to make me happy? But let me start asking this question. What can I do to bring God, to, to make God happy? Let, look at this. Look at this. This is amazing. Gideon got stronger simply by hearing from God. He heard this message. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That just simply hearing from God made Gideon stronger. But then what God told him made him even more strong. It, uh, he heard that God thought that he was a, a mighty warrior. <laughs> and he, he heard that the message that, that God was actually with him. And so um, we need to start seeing ourselves differently. All right, This is going to make us way, way stronger when we stop seeing ourselves as an engineer, or a teacher, or an administrative assistant, or a retired military person, or a student, or a store clerk. No, no, no. What am I? I'm a mighty warrior. I don't care if I'm a male or female, older, younger. I'm a mighty warrior. The, the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, is looking at me and saying, Hey, I'm with you, and you know who you are? You're a mighty warrior. And that, that message began to change Gideon into a stronger person. Look at this verse in Matthew 16, 18. All right? This is Jesus talking to Peter. He says, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to overcome it. All right? It's time for us to begin to see ourselves as mighty warriors of God, who are going to go and we're going to stop being defensive and we're going to start being offensive. We're going to take it to the enemy instead of trying to defend against the enemy, against fear and all these other things the enemy tries to throw our way. So 
What would you think Gideon would respond to this, uh, to this message that God gave him? Well, he asked the same question all of us would be asked. And I'm looking at my notes. Um, I got a little ahead of myself here. Here's the question that you would ask. Um, God, you're, you're saying I'm a mighty warrior, but why are you letting all this stuff happen to me? Why are you letting my family fall apart? Why are you letting my money fall apart? Why are my finances fall apart? Why are things not going well for me at work? Why, 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 why? That's the first thing. When God starts talking to us, kind of, you know, boosting us up, our first question is typically why, and Gideon was no, no, uh, no different. In verse 13 of Judges 1, he says, pardon me, my Lord. <laughs> he, was, he was at least polite with God. Some of us are a lot less polite. Uh, I've mentioned this in church. How many of us have yelled at God before? I know I have. You get out and you have a good yelling match out where nobody can hear you. But Gideon was a little bit more polite. He said, pardon me, my Lord. He said, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all God's wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Which, by the way, was a 430-year ordeal versus the seven-year ordeal that they were facing. But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord, the Lord turned to Gideon and said, Listen to this, it's just amazing. He didn't answer his, his question, by the way, it's funny. He says, you go. Now I added the, 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 the word you, but implicit, it's there. You go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And that question is obviously answered with, yes, I am sending you. And I want you to think about this. I, I thought I actually wrote this statement down, down this morning as I was kind of getting ready. Listen to this statement. God is making you the solution to your own problem. That's powerful. God is making you the solution to your own problem. And what that does is that starts removing every blasted excuse that we throw up to heaven, you know? We pow, oh, I can't, you know, it's not going to work because of this. Or not, I'm not, I can't do this because of that. And God's saying, no, you can. You can do it. And it's not you by yourself. It says in, in the previous verses that I mentioned that I already read, he said, I'm with you. Why can you do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Because God is inside of you. And you are able to do anything with his help. So I'm going to read this again. God is making you the solution to your own problem. And you and God, you're a majority. You have the supreme advantage with God on your side. You're standing on higher ground than any and every enemy that you have. So don't think otherwise. It, God's speaking to you right now. It's time for you to stand up and in God's strength start doing mighty things. And so the message... Listen to this message. I'm going to read it one more time. He says, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Listen to this. This message changes your perspective. And when you get a higher perspective, a higher spiritual perspective, you immediately become a powerhouse for God. It strengthens you. When you get a different perspective, 
you get strength because you see things differently. And God wants you to start soaring with wings as eagles. He doesn't want you to be around on the ground anymore, uh, you know, with the chickens, so to speak. He wants you to start soaring on ing- with, <laughs> with wings as eagles, soaring above all your problems, over all, all your problems. So your change in perspective is going to make you a powerhouse for God. Listen to what it does. When, when, you, when you get a new perspective, you stop complaining. One of your number one problems, one of my number one problems, is I complain. And what is a complainer? A complainer is a victim. That means you're a victim of your circumstances. And I'll say it now, I've said it a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred times more. You're not a victim, so stop acting like one. Stand up. Uh, It doesn't matter what the doctors told you, all right? Stand up and start listening to what God has told you. It doesn't matter what your boss has told you. Stand up and start listening to what God is telling you. He's telling you a positive message, an I can do it message, and you need to turn off the one ear that's maybe your doctor's telling you something, your boss is telling you something, your, your ex-spouse is telling you something, or you have a memory telling you something. Turn that off and start listening to what God is telling you, and you'll stop complaining. You'll stop being a victim. This message is also empowering that Gideon got. Um, to use the strength that God has already given you. Because listen to this. He says, go in the strength you have. Now Gideon's in there, wimpy, weak, as we all are, in that wine press trying to hide. And God says, you know what? You have strength that you don't even know you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have strength that you don't even know you have. And so it's time to start exercising the strength you have. Don't say you're not strong. And God, you are strong. And start exercising that strength. Listen to this. In Luke 10, 19, you can jot this one down. It says, I have given you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and if you are a follower of Jesus, even if you're a follower at a distance of Jesus, this promise applies to you. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing's going to harm you. So you need to start walking around with that that strength in you, saying, hey, nothing's going to harm me. God has given me power. He's given me authority. I I can overcome all the power of the enemy. Where is that power showing up against you, that power of the enemy showing up? It might be showing up against you at work. It might be showing up against you at school. It might be showing up against you in a troubled marriage. It might be showing up against you in a host of different places. It might even be showing up against you in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. But you know what? You've been given power and authority over all the power of the enemy. You need to exercise it. Begin to speak the word of God. Amen? And the third thing uh, that this, this message does to empower us, this one that was given to Gideon, is it's time for you to go out and save, deliver, and rescue God's people out of Satan's hand. If you have a son or a daughter or a loved one or a mother or a father that's not serving the Lord, it's time for you to start praying that they are delivered out of the hand of the enemy. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So um, lastly, this message empowers us because it sends us out. It says, you go. Stop standing, stop cowering, stop hiding. It says, you go, mighty warrior. 
You go start fighting the enemy. Start praying. Start claiming God's promises. Start standing in God's word. Start believing what God has told you. And you're going to start taking ground away from the enemy instead of just always simply defending what you have. All right, so let's uh, let's read on. I am looking at the clock here. We're going to go about five more minutes, and then we're going to pick up the rest of the story tonight at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. But here it says in verse 15 of Judges 1, uh, again, Gideon, a very polite, a very polite person. He says, pardon me, my Lord. So he didn't get his why answered. So he asks another question, and this is another question that we tend to answer, ask ourselves, is how? Okay, God, you've told me what to do. How on earth do you want me to do this? Judges 1, verse 15. Huh? Judges 6, 15. See, I'm sitting here with my family around a, a dinner a table, and they're correcting me. Thank goodness for them. Judges 6, verse 15. All right. It says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replies, but how can I save Israel? <laughs> and you might be asking yourself that same question. How can I save my marriage? How can I save my job? How can I save myself when I'm having to take care of my kids and they're not in school right now? How can I take care of myself? I'm so sick, Lord. How, 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 how? Here it is. He says, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Manasseh was the tribe of Israel that his, his clan was a part of. And I am the least in my family. So I'm, my family's the least, and then I'm the smallest, puniest person in my family. And here's what the Lord answered. I will be with you. I will be with you. That's the answer of how. How, am, how is this going to work out? How am I going to piece my finances together? How is my health ever going get, to get better? How, how, how? How is it going to happen? The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You and I, we need to be, begin to be aware of God's presence. I'll never forget this. I've mentioned this in church. It was a while back, but I'll mention it again. I think it's a good story. I was flying out. I have a full-time job. So I was flying out to Vegas for a, um, a meeting that I was dreading, really dreading this meeting. Um, it was an ugly situation. Um, somebody was extremely upset, and I was going to have to deal with this, this situation. So... I, I think it was a Monday morning. I drug myself out of bed. I got dressed. I had breakfast. I got to the airport. I think it was about 6 a.m. here in El Paso. I was walking down the airport just kind of dreading the whole flight there, dreading the time there. And as I, I, I even remember where in the airport I was standing. I was kind of leaning against the wall waiting for the boarding process to start. And all of a sudden, in my, in my mind, in my soul, I felt the Lord tell me, I'm with you. And that, that perspective changed everything. All of a sudden, I didn't dread the meeting. I stopped leaning against the wall. I stood up. I, I had a smile on my face, I imagine. I got on the plane rejoicing. I flew all the way to Vegas, got off, handled the tough situation. It was every bit as hard as I thought it would be, but I did it knowing that Jesus himself was standing right beside me and helping me. And I came back, and it was just an absolute amazing experience that I'll never forget. So here, the Lord says, how are you going to do it? I'm going to be with you. That's how you're going to do it. You're not going to do it by yourself. You're going to do it with my help. And he said, you, I love it. 
In some cases, the Lord struck down the enemy on behalf of the king or the warrior or the judge. In this case, he says, you're going to do it. You're going to strike down all the Midianites, leaving none of them alive. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty exciting, man. Uh, You know what? We need to start living our lives with Jesus instead of apart from Jesus. Uh, There's this book, Practicing God's Presence, I think is what it's called. You need to start practicing the realization that Jesus, the Spirit of God, is with you night and day, day and night, no matter what your situation is. Um, He is with you. And so here I want to ask this question. This is kind of a thought of my own as I was kind of doing my own devotions here. But why are we so weak? Because we focus on ourselves. That's where weakness comes from. We're weak because we focus on ourselves, our own weaknesses, our own deficiencies, our own inabilities, and we tell ourselves all the time, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. That's actually a negative message, but it's a good message because it eventually leads us to realize that only with God can we do all things. Only with God can we do all things. So, finishing up here just really quick, where does our strength come from? Our strength comes from God. Stop trying to dig deeper into yourself and find strength in yourself. There's not, there's not enough strength inside of you to do anything that you need to of substance. Your strength comes from God. And we learned this two or three weeks ago in Ephesians 6.10. says, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. It doesn't say be strong in yourself. No, it says be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. God is with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And when you start realizing that, you're going to become a much, much stronger person. Your spiritual enemies. I keep saying I'm almost done, and I am. Here's the spiritual enemies. Spiritual enemies are fear, constant fear, anxiety, worry. All of these things, are your. that's your enemy, okay? Hopelessness is your enemy, not having any hope, always thinking the future is there's a cl- imminent cliff you're about to fall off of. Unforgiveness is your enemy. Being easily hurt by other people, that's your enemy. Okay, lack of commitment. And it leads me to this question is, can people be your enemy? And I would say absolutely, positively, yes. Even people can be your enemy, and that's that's an e- that's an easy pill to swallow. But a lot of Christians would say, no, 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 people aren't your enemy. It's it's the you know what they're it's the enemy inside of them that's your enemy. Well, both 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 things are true, but we definitely have people who can be our enemies. But the Bible says to love them, to pray for them, and God can change them from being your enemy. Uh, in fact, the Bible says. He can even make your enemies be at peace with you. Praise God. So God is awesome. Um, uh, we're going to finish. We're, we're going to continue on with this story tonight at 6. If uh, you want to log back on.